1: All right, guys, well, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for the show, and today we're uh, in our Wednesday episode. We're, we're going to be getting back every Wednesday here soon, uh, talking about issues inside and outside the church like we used to. There's There's been quite a bit going on here. Um, I've been recovering from grief, and I had to stop doing this uh, for a period of time just so that... I could have some time uh, without you know, recording this uh, particular episode every Wednesday uh, to relax, and uh, I was fighting uh, the fatigue from grief, and so it's, um, I'm starting to feel better, praise the Lord. And so today I want to talk with you about something that, um, on these shows, on Wednesdays, we're going to talk about issues that... People are talking about, and one of the one of the issues that people are talking about today, and uh, no doubt that uh, by the time that this goes up uh, on, you know, this coming Wednesday, I'm I'm recording here on uh, Friday the the sixth, but uh, this is going to go up on um, the 11th, I believe it is. Uh, we'll still be talking about uh, the issue of abortion, Roe versus Wade. Is in the news yet again, and so on this show, I want to talk with you about abortion and the Christian worldview. Now, if unless you've been living under a rock, uh, for the last sixty years, I'm forty-one, so for the majority of my life, I have been hearing about this issue of abortion. It's it's pushed in the schools where. Uh, secular school where I went uh, in high school even in, in even in the early 2000s uh, late 90s early 2000s uh, it was pushed at a secular community college I grew up in Seattle which is strongly strongly uh, pro-choice and so i'm I'm very familiar with the arguments I even studied moral philosophy at a secular uh, school and we were well versed in the arguments uh, for that position, for the pro-choice view. But um, we need to talk about this uh, even more, and we need to understand how we should talk about it. Um, You know, life is important, it's special, the Lord God breathed life into Adam and into the lives of every human being. Abortion is murder, as we're going to see in this episode, because the Lord God breathes his life into every single human being whom he created in his image and likeness. Abortion is an issue of world views as people from across the, the political, the religious, the theological, even the philosophical spectrum have divergent opinions and generally believe that theirs is the right one, that it is coherent and that it's logical and that it's consistent. But we need to say this as Christians, more important than the opinion of anybody, including myself, is the truth from the mouth of the creator who gave life, who who created it, who sustains life. And so in this episode of Equipping You in Grace, I I want to trace ways that we as God's people should speak about life. And that we should minister to those facing an abortion for the purpose of helping the church be about life. And to minister to those facing an abortion for the purpose of helping the church be about life from the beginning to the grave and everywhere in between. So what we're going to do in this episode is, is... You know, we're going to talk about, very briefly, about what an abortion is. We're not going to get graphic. Second, we're going to look at the biblical evidence uh, that the Bible teaches about life. And third, we're going to talk about why abortion is wrong. And then we're also going to talk, fourth, about statistics on abortion. And finally, we're going to talk about why we as Christians must stand up and why we must speak out about ethical issues. So first, what is an abortion? Abortion is the termination of a pregnancy by the removal of a fetus or an embryo from the uterus resulting in or causing its death. Abortion including procedures of various kinds such as RU-486 and the morning after pill. Other items that cause abortion are the, the IUDs. Uh, the result is an abortion It's the killing of a conceived person. The most important thing as we talk about a biblical worldview is what does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? What what does scripture say about life? This is where we're going to spend the most amount of time because it matters that we have a good understanding of what the Bible teaches about life. The Jews believe that an abortion of a preborn child and exposure of a born child are both murderous sins. God created life and breathed life into Adam. Genesis 2:17 says, "And then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature." God created man and woman for the purpose of procreation. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The Bible makes it clear that the killing of a person created in the image of God is murder. Now, Exodus 20.13 says, You shall not murder. Well, the word for murder is the trans literated Hebrew word, ratash. And according to Strong's dictionary, ratash, it means to murder, to slay, to kill, to be premeditated, accidental, as an avenger, slayer intentional, to assassinate. And now there are those out there who postulate, even supposed Christian apologetics people, who argue that the Bible does not explicitly state that abortion is murder I am not kidding about that friends I am not kidding at all that there are Christians who believe the Bible who don't think that, that we can draw a straight line from the scripture and they suggest that, that we can't know that abortion then by logical deduction that it is murder well the word murder it means to slay to kill premeditated to to slay intentionally to assassinate let me ask you a question what is an abortion well we just talked about it the abortion is the termination of a pregnancy by the removal of the fetus or the embryo from the uterus resulting in or causing its death now we have we have to ask the question when somebody goes to a pro-choice facility to get an abortion, is that is that act not intentional? Now, now, forget all the other questions related to it for the moment, and just focus on that. Isn't the act we have to ask the question of of going to that pregnancy uh, where, where they where they can get an abortion? Isn't that by its very definition? Doesn't it by its very definition of what an abortion is? Doesn't that require a premeditated act? After all, you have to drive. What does that require? It requires gas. That requires that you get in a car. That you drive to the facility. Uh, that requires that you're getting ready to go. All of these things are intentional, and so that's why abortion, according to the Bible, is it's murder. It's murder. It's a. It's it's a, an intentional act premeditated um, to kill a baby it requires thought it requires planning in some cases it can require money although you know we our tax dollars do subsidize that our federal tax dollars subsidize abortion through Planned Parenthood so let me ask you should we as Christians as Bible believing Christians shouldn't we draw a very straight line from our belief in God's word as the inspired, inerrant, sufficient, clear, and binding word, shouldn't we draw a straight line from this text and then say abortion under any circumstance is wrong that is where i'm going and that's where this verse goes because it means something words mean something and the biblical authors have a meaning but it's not only the bible that that that, as we'll see overwhelmingly that teaches that life begins in the womb but the didact an ancient manual for church instruction said uh this was the early church church's manual for catechism for teaching it says that you shall not commit murder. You shall not procure abortion nor commit infanticide. Now, there's a difference between a child in a mother's womb and one outside of it, and yet the early church saw both as equally living people and taking the life as murderous. Charles H. Uh, Scobie said, Scripture uses the, the Greek word briefest for Elizabeth's unborn child in Luke 1, unborn Jesus in Mary's womb in Luke to 12 and also for the children brought uh, to jesus psalm 139 13 through 14 says for you formed me formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb i praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made in psalm 139 the closing request search me O god and know my heart it echoes the beginning of the statement you have searched me and you have known me and so David, the psalmist of Psalm 139, he uses the word no to communicate the Lord's intimate knowledge of his people. And then he moves in Psalm 139, 7-12 through 12, to focus on how there is nowhere in the universe to run away from the knowledge of the Lord. In Psalm 139, 13 through 16, David illustrates this by describing life in a very dark place, the mother's womb. Psalm 139, 17 through 18 then exclaims how delightful the knowledge of God is. And then in Psalm 139, 19 through 22, he affirms his loyalty to to the Lord, and in Psalm 119, 23 through 24, invites him to examine his inner life by purging him from all that hinders his walking in the everlasting way. And so, because all humanity is fearfully and wonderfully made, the Creator knows the very hairs on our heads, and as such, has detailed and even precise knowledge of our lives down to the very nanosecond of when we will be born of when we will live and when we will die. And so to know that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord, we need to understand that even the smallest details of our lives happen according to the plan of the Lord. Nothing is beyond His gaze. We live in His sight at all times and in His presence. Or uh, to use that famous uh, phrase, we live quorum Deo, which is before the face of God at all times. Psalm 139, 14 contributes to our understanding of this subject by highlighting the all-knowing, the all-present, the complete knowledge of the Lord. And such knowledge reveals that the Lord is not a casual observer who takes in knowledge the way that we do. Psalm 139.14 says, I will praise you, and the reason is the Lord ordains everything from eternity past to eternity future and everywhere in between. And another reason is the Lord who is holy, he's good and he's just, he also sustains and he governs and he brings all things to pass from the creation of the cosmos to the functioning of our of the cells in our bodies. So now that we have some understanding of who we're speaking about in the Lord, we can now uh, talk even further about how all humanity belongs to the creator God. You see, because all humanity is fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord, he owns all all humanity, as well as the rest of the world, he created, he governs, and he sustains. Psalm 139, 13-16, through 16, it expands upon David's earlier reference to the divine presence of the Lord, showing how his presence is so intimate that even in the mother's womb, he carefully knits people together. And by using this imagery, the, the psalmist pictures the Lord attending to the details of his life as a knitter must pay close attention to knit a blanket to not produce entangled mess. Well, the following truths also flow from this beautiful imagery used by David in Psalm 139. And, th- and that is these points. There's three of them. Because all humanity is fearfully and wonderfully made, all of life is sacred. The second one is Because all humanity is fearfully and wonderfully made, humanity is the pinnacle of creation created to resemble God, to fill the earth through procreation with fellow image bearers of God. The third point. Because all humanity is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, all humanity should be treated with dignity and respect. But it's not only that we're created in the image and likeness of God, but we are also fearfully, wonderfully made, but we need redemption from sin. And from Genesis 2, 16 through 17, we discover that Adam was commanded not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And since Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all humanity are now sinners by nature and by choice. We are in need of rescue we are in need of redemption we are in need of reconciliation and this is what jesus came to do in john 19:30 he said it is finished it is finished it is signed it is sealed and it is delivered because of the blood and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you see this again and again and again this connection between the crucifixion and the resurrection but especially in that wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians 15 1 through 8 which which tells us very clearly that it was the, the, the foundation for the gospel is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And the reason this is so important is that, that God in his word reveals that a child in the womb and a child singing and dancing around in worship, as we've seen from the scripture, are equally human beings who bear the image and the likeness of God. And what this means is that abortion is, is sinful because as we've seen the word murder means a uh, slayer or intentional And so abortion is sinful because it's, it is the killing of an unborn child created in the image and likeness of God. Let's talk about some statistics here. Uh, in the United States there are approximately 1.37 million abortions every year, approximately 3,700 every day according to the Ellen Gumacher Institute, And Planned Parenthood families planning perspectives. 1% of all abortions occur because of rape or incest. 6% of abortions occur because of potential health problems related either to the mother or the child. 93% of all abortions occur for social reasons, meaning that the child is unwanted or inconvenient. This also comes from the Alan Gumacher Institute and Planned Parenthood's family planning perspectives. So who is having an abortion? Women identifying themselves as Protestant attain about 37.4% of all abortions in the United States. Catholic women account for 31.3%. Jewish women account for 1.3% and women with no religious affiliation obtain 23.7% of all abortions. 18% of all abortions are performed on women who identify themselves as born again, as evangelical. This is, again, according to the Alan Gumacher Institute in Planned Parenthood's family planning perspective. Now, we need to be clear about something. I, I am for... You know the, those centers where where we are aiming to educate, and you know the, these centers that are pro-choice, that are that are for life, that are aiming to provide resources to women that are struggling and and needing help. They they need help. Uh, I I personally I think that we as the church, we as the church are are to be that beacon. We are to be that hope. Now there's nothing wrong. Don't hear me say that that's wrong for a church to to support one of those organizations that is for pro-life i have been to many and a member of many churches that that have champion that have members that work at these types of organizations and i have no problem with the church giving money to support those things however with that said we, as the church, we need to be the place. We we have the message of hope. Uh, the, the church exists not as plan B in the mind of God, but a, as plan A. Plan A, it is the instrument to carry forth glad tidings and good news to the world, to make disciples who make disciples. Now, from the local church, we, we can have organizations like, you know, the, the kind that help those who are considering getting an uh, abortion by educating them about the other options the other choices that they have and providing biblical counsel and help to them uh, I would rather see that kind of ministry grounded in and shaped uh, by the local church under under the under the direction uh, of, of of biblically qualified male pastors I think that is more where we should be as a church and I think that the church, absolutely needs to do a better job because we need to preach about this. We need to talk about this and we need to speak about this. We have the better answers. Uh, we need to speak out and about this. And, and this is why I'm doing this episode. We must stand up on ethical issues and proclaim God's word because we, we believe the biblical category of justice. God is a just God. And therefore. because of the justice of God uh, that was satisfied at the cross, uh, and and because Christ rose, we have new hearts. We we are, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are new creations in Christ. And so it's because of this that we thoroughly and soundly reject, and I want to be clear here uh, as I talk about this, we soundly, because of what I just said, we soundly reject the social gospel. I am not a fan of the social gospel at all. I do not think the social gospel, to be clear, is another gospel, and that is a false gospel. It does not save, and it does not help anybody. And so we have to talk about these things in the right way, which is why I'm bringing this up. So when I say that Christians must stand up on ethical issues and proclaim God's word, it's because we believe that God is a just God. God is the one who... You know, uh, God the Father sent forth God the Son to die in the place and for sinners and to rise again on the third day. He is an ascended Lord and King, uh, and he is soon returning. And so it's because of this understanding that that we must stand up on social and ethical issues, um, justice issues, and we must proclaim the word of God. God's word reveals his will. In regards to theological, moral, and ethical issues like abortion, uh, former President Barack Obama, in a speech on the 36th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, said, "We are reminded that this decision not only protects women's health and reproductive freedom, but stands for a broader principle that government should not intrude on our most private family matters." As, as Christians, we are taught in Matthew 5:13 that we are to be salt in life. The Lord created life when he breathed into Adam's nostril and he breathes life into every human being since. We as Christians, we have a biblical, we have a moral obligation, an ethical obligation, because it is a justice issue, to speak out on this topic and many others, especially issues on life. In respect to former President Obama, abortion is murder, God will intrude and he will deal with those who murder innocent children in the womb. And some people will object and they say, well, how dare you? How dare you, Dave? How dare you judge anybody for their choice? But you know what? Let's have a conversation about this, okay? Not even the choice that we make. We need to understand we will be held accountable by the Lord God the one who created us, the one who sustains life, the one who governs life, we will be held accountable for the choices that we make. We are not autonomous beings. We have what, what I, we have choice, yes, the choice to obey God or disobey Him. But the choice is the fact is is that we will be held accountable for either choice. whether we obeyed God, and we'll be blessed, or we disobey God, and we rebel against his command. Now, abortion, to be clear, it's disobedience. It's disobedience. It's sin, and disobedience is sin. God, very clearly, in his word, has defined what is murder and what is not. He has described and defined life as beginning in the womb in a mother's womb. And this is why we can draw a straight line, not only from Exodus 2013, but also from other passages that we've considered today and say abortion is murder. And God will intrude. God is a just God. He will deal, whether in this life or at the final judgment, he will Deal with those who murder innocent children in the womb. He will. Because he is a just God, he must act according to his holy, revealed will in the word of God. You can take that to bank because Titus 1-2 says God never lies. God is a just God, and God acts according to his just character. That is taking... That doctrine of the justice of God and applying it very practically to our lives. And and this matters. It matters because generations, genera- generations and generations, some over 60 million children have died from abortion. You know, think about that. Th- those, those children could have been politicians. They could have been lawyers. They could have been teachers. They could have been whatever. They, they could have been, uh, the men could have been future pastors and elders and seminary presidents and professors. They were killed. They were snuffed out. Their life was extinguished. And people today think that that's a choice. What choice do the baby have? Is it only about the mother and what how she feels? Now, I want to be clear about something. Because there is another objection out there, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. It, it, it's both. It's both that matters. It's both the mother and the baby that matter. Hear me when I say it. I'm not just railing on a mother who has a complex situation. She may not have any funds. She may have uh be, being told, you know what? Just give up the child. Uh, there, there's innumerable situations, and and as we come to these to these situations. I I want to, and we've talked about on this show about, you know, cookie cutter answers. This is where we don't take cookie cutter answers. This is where we don't settle for cookie cutter discipleship. And by that, I mean, we don't, we don't settle for, we don't take complex situations and then say, oh, well, this is, this applies to every situation. Well, guess what? Yes. In this case, abortion is murder. There are other options. There's, there's, there's uh there's just, uh you know help from the the state with a with an adoption uh there there's churches that will come alongside uh people women that are struggling uh to 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 care for their child um, you know any church that that won't come alongside a struggling mother who wants to keep their baby uh, they're not a church i mean let's be real with it the, about, about that because we we should care for people because because of what Christ has done, He has given us a new heart. And part part of that is part of that, part of the fruit of the Spirit is love. At the very root of it is love. And we part of as part of our witness, we are to show the love of Christ and and the love that we have. For other people, this is the great commandment: to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul. We are to love the Lord in such a love as to fuel our love for others, including those who, and especially who Jesus would define as the the marginalized, the lost, and the least, and and the hopeless, which are especially single mothers and and those who are contemplating even having an abortion. We we need to have these hard conversations. We need to make we need to focus and and have teaching on this. But we but we also when when people come to us, what I'm talking about with this cookie cutter approach, we need to see that person as having a whole whole knee, not just, okay, well, you're going to get an abortion, and so we're going to tell you that that's wrong. We, we want to dig in. What I mean by this is we want to dig in, and we want to find out more about what is happening in this this woman's life. What, where is she really struggling? and And how can we as the church come alongside and, yes, tell her that abortion is murder, but also that there's more here? Uh, that 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 there there's a baby in your womb and and that the lord uh knitted together that that child and made it in his image and his likeness and uh that that you're uh important and valuable as well as as your baby who you're made in the image and likeness of god and and that uh you know we want to walk alongside of you and care for you in this way we show that and we're going to talk about this in a, in just a minute that we that we care about not just the baby. We're not just focused on the baby, but we're also focused on the mother who who has to feed the child and and support the child. But just wrapping up this conversation here, this part of it, uh, while we before we head into ministering to those facing an abortion, um, uh, Christians are to be known. We are to be known as Christians as people of the book. Who regularly open the Bible to read, to meditate, to study, and to apply what it teaches to our lives? Abortion is murder because God says uh, says so in His Word. The Lord created life when He breathed into Adam. Uh, the Creator is the one who gives life. And I want to say this very clearly: we are not only to speak out in this way about abortion, uh, but but we need to be we need to be clear to our elected officials. You know what? We're not going to stand by as you vote for pro-choice. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever rights you think that 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 we support. No, we need to make our voices clear. If if you don't think that in the last two years that if you've lived under a rock for the last two years, let let me tell you, there there. This is one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about this. Because in the last two years, we have seen the government intrude into every, every area of our lives. And we as Christians need to be clear where the line is in the sand on this. We will not stand by. We will stand up. We, we are citizens of heaven. Yes, we are. But we are still here. We still have work to do. We should care. We should care about what not only what happens to the child in the womb, but but, about the whole panoply from the womb to the tomb, and ever we we should care about the elderly we we should be on the we should be on in our uh, elected official's ear about yes, about abortion, but also about what's happening to our veterans, what's happening to our elderly, you know uh, and and so on and so forth i I could talk about this. A long time. We need to tell our elected officials and be clear about it. We are not going to vote for you as a Christian if you are support or you have ever supported a pro-choice view or a a, a pro-choice candidate or a a justice or any such policy or anything. Because pro-choice, it's no choice. It's no choice for the mother and it's no choice uh, for for the baby. Uh, the baby doesn't have a choice. You need as a Christian, as a Bible minded Christian, you need to know. You need to know what your elected officials, what your and, and, and candidates, what they believe about social issues and ethical issues. You need to know what their worldview is. What do they really stand for? Do not vote. For candidates who do not have a biblical worldview, you don't have to agree with them on every issue. But and and we're not just one. I'm not just advocating for to be a one-issue voter. It matters what they think. You know, we're we're not talking about you know the president being the pastor or any or the senator or or congressman or uh, at the state or the local or the federal level to being a pastor. I'm just saying what they believe, what your elected officials believe, it does matter, and you need to know it and to vote responsibly uh, and and for and consistent with a biblical worldview if you don't then let's be honest do you believe a biblical worldview it matters who we vote for who we vote for is a reflection of what we believe and there is no better way to show what we believe and to make a difference and to stand up uh, for and to find out what and what what the candidate what the person supports and then to either vote against them or to vote for them based on their position, especially on abortion and other matters. So, all that to say, to prevent abortion, it's necessary that we as Christians be molded, that we be shaped by the Scripture, that we stand upon the Scripture, that we fight for uh, the unborn, that, that we're not just speaking out, but that we're also you know, uh, making sure that those in uh, positions, making choices for on our behalf and speaking for us, that they're making uh, decisions and, and voting for policies and advocating for policies that, that we actually support. Remember, friend, that the truth about abortion, what it is, it's murder. I, I challenge you today to apply either what you've learned, what you discovered, maybe there was things that you didn't know. Even if you do know it, then I urge you even more to take what what, what I've talked about in this episode, whether you're listening to it, uh, or you're watching it regarding life i i challenge you to go out to make a difference for the cause of the unborn they're dying every day i challenge you to speak up often with every chance that you get regarding god's plan regarding life we need to talk very briefly here about uh, how to speak about an abortion we need to consider how to minister to those who've had an abortion along with how the church should speak to these issues we'll do so Pretty quickly here. The church should explain to fathers and mothers the importance of life. We should do this early on. Uh, when they're when they're teens, as, as they're growing up, parents should be instructing their children in the way in which they go, that abortion is no choice. Women contemplating uh, abortion do so for a variety of reasons, such as financial and emotional reasons. And yet God has something to say about those things. God is the great provider. He provides for those who trust him. Aborting a child because you can't afford to care for a child isn't a valid reason to have an abortion. Having an abortion for emotional reasons, because you think you're not going to be able to survive emotionally, is not a valid reason. If you were emotionally strong enough to have intercourse, then guess what? You are strong enough and responsible for the bearing of and raising of your child instead of murdering that child for emotional reasons. It's this last issue. Let me be clear. It's the one where we take a biblical counseling approach. We dig in. We ask lots of questions. We as the church are to show compassion and care and concern. We are to love the Lord and such a love, remember, fuels a love for neighbor. And we need to be honest here. People's emotions are, are fickle. One person might feel good about themselves one day, and the next day, they might be down in the dumps. What I call those contemplating having an abortion to be responsible, I, I'm not dismissing to be clear how they feel. I, I'm instead trying to help you understand the seriousness of your choice. That child in your womb, mothers, is a precious gift from the Lord. The the child in your womb has God-given talents, abilities, and gifts that God has uniquely given to your baby to bless the world and to magnify the name of the Lord God. God desires for your baby to come to a saving knowledge of himself. God has a plan to use your baby in, in his world. All of creation is his, to draw people to Christ and to use them powerfully for his glory. Today, Babies are killed every day. Some 60 million children in the United States alone, according to some statistics, have been killed. To be clear, to point this out so that you understand how serious this is, that is more than everyone who was killed in World War II combined. In the case of abortion, the death counter hasn't stopped because of war. It said the war on babies continues by killing them in favor of a woman's right to choose. When, women's, when women choose to have an abortion... They believe they're making a choice that's best for them. What they fail to understand that what is best for their families, which extends to the baby inside, is to bring the child to full term. In addition to this, they fail to keep in mind the benefits of their child on society. Every child is unique. Every child can make a difference for the kingdom of God. The choice to not have a child that you've conceived is morally and ethically wrong. The child in the womb is a child created in the image of God. It is a living, breathing human being worthy of the parents' and society's respect. Today, let's be clear about something. The American liberal media and those holding to liberal political philosophy, they want Americans to support their worldview. And, and at the heart of a political liberal thought is the idea that everyone has a choice to do whatever they want, to find their own pleasure, to find their own meaning, to find their own worth, however they want and whenever they want. And it's from this vantage point, everyone is right in their own eyes so they can do whatever choice they want. Well, this means that someone can choose to have an abortion with no moral and no ethical consequences. After all, they decide what's right from them. This, it reveals uh, for us the the downward spiral that Paul describes, and I would encourage you to read in Romans chapter 1. Uh, it, it shows where the human race is going. And yet, using the same logic that I've described, why do do these political liberals even believe in having prisons? We must ask, why lock up those who commit crimes if people have a choice to have an abortion? I I remember in a moral philosophy class at a secular school in the Seattle area, uh, Washington area, I was taught that if you could use an extreme example to disprove an argument, then you could disprove the pro-life view. But by their own omission, those who adhere to a political liberal philosophy have to admit that the pro-choice viewpoint fails at a fundamental level to deal with the reality of life. People have intercourse for a reason. They enjoy the pleasure of it. And yet, by excusing the role of responsibility in intercourse, that is, childbirth and parenthood we're setting a dangerous precedent for our society and at worst we're destroying the traditional family which at which at the heart has a man a woman and a child in it and and it gets even more interesting quote-unquote as those adhering to a political liberal philosophy are, are those who have kids and and they have the audacity to tell others that they have the right to choose to get rid of the kid in a mother's womb. Well, that's just insanity. The The lack of logic, and in fact, the outright hypocrisy on this viewpoint is telling. So, so on the one hand, they, they teach others to do away with life while they have kids and families of their own. And at the heart of this discussion about abortion and life, let's be clear... Is the Bible itself. The Bible isn't a manual of opinions or fairy tales. It's the truth from God. The Bible speaks to us about life. It instructs us so that we will know what God has said to us. Our response to what God has said must be obedience to the word of God. And at the heart of our discussion on abortion, about how to respond and minister to people who have had an abortion or are considering doing so, It's to understand that these are people just like us. They are made in the image and likeness of God, and they have uh, worth, they have dignity, they are deserving of dignity and value and respect. And let me also be clear about something whether you are politically liberal or politically conservative or somewhere in between, you need the gospel. You need to see that, that life is not an option. It is special. It's created in the image of God. It's worthy of dignity, value, and respect. But I also want to say something. Maybe you're listening or watching this and you've had an abortion. and You're like, my goodness, what did I do? Am I, am I beyond the saving grace of God because I had an abortion? Let me, let me talk to you for a minute. And let me say, you are not beyond the gospel. Yes, you have sinned. Yes, you have killed an innocent child, created in the image and likeness of God. Yes, you've done what is what is sinful in the sight of God. And you need to understand that you deserve to be punished. But God has instead intervened on your behalf. On your behalf, Jesus was born in a manger as a God-man. He lived a sinless life for you and me. He was beaten. He was abused. He was scourged. He was treated as a criminal. He was convicted of crimes that he never committed. He died the death of a criminal in the most gruesome style the world has ever known for, uh, for your sins against God. Jesus died the death of crucifixion that you deserved in your place in order to make possible your redemption and reconciliation with God. And he rose again. So whether you've had an abortion or you've committed any sin, you are not beyond hope. If you've counseled someone to have an abortion in the past, there is forgiveness in Christ alone. There is hope for you today in in the blood and the resurrection of Christ. Christ. Didn't stay dead in and, and and in that empty tomb. He rose again. They were not able to find his body, for he was buried for three days, and he rose again on the third day. Jesus is a victorious, triumphant, and exalted Savior and King. I want to I want to ask you to examine your life as we conclude this episode today. Do you truly support? the cause of life? Do you stand on the side of life and liberty, or do you stand on the side of choice? Today, you have a choice. There's no neutrality. It's a real choice. In fact, this choice that you make today affects more than whether you'll have an abortion or not. I believe that if you are a Christian, if if God has taken your heart of stone, He's replaced it with a new heart, with new desires and new affections, that God will change you. He will change your choices about life. God promises to give you a new heart with new desires. He'll he'll take your heart of stone and he'll replace it with a new heart, with new desires for himself. And this is exactly what Jesus does when he saves sinners. He will make you a new creation in Christ. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So won't you stop fighting against the Lord who loved you so much that he sent his son to die in your place and for your sin and to rise again? You might disagree with me on whether life is special and important and whether you have a choice to choose. And unless God illuminates these truths to you, you will not have eyes to see nor ears to hear what I have said to you today in this episode. But I'm praying for you. I'm praying for those who listen to or watch this episode. That, that God will give you ears to hear, eyes to see, so so you might come to know the precious gift of God in Christ Jesus. And it's there that we begin. Because he is the giver of life. He loves you so much that He that he died in your place and for your sin, and he rose again on the third day. Let us stand fast. Let us stand firm. Let us preach the truth from God's Word. And let's, let's proclaim the, the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God, all for His glory and for the good of our society, so that, so that God might, even even from the ashes, He might raise up a generation who, who will boldly proclaim that, that life is special, that life is important, that every single person from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people— are made in the image and the likeness of God and worthy of dignity and value and respect and that all men, all men and women and children need to repent and to believe and to trust in the only savior who really can save and the only lord who does. And so that's 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 so important today because we are living in a time where where people in order for this issue to change in order for the hostility uh, to change people's people who are at war with with God, they must be reconciled uh, to God. That's where the battle lines are. We are in a war, and our and our weapons of our warfare are powerful. It's po- the power of God. Paul says in Romans one sixteen, it is it is is the righteousness that is found not in ourselves. It is found in the perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ on our behalf he he paid that penalty he died in our place he was buried and he rose and and this is what god uses he uses the foolishness of the world to confound the scoffer and to bring wisdom to magnify the name of christ among the nations our job as christians is to proclaim the glad tidings as Jesus did as he opened that scroll in Luke 4 and preached that sermon from Isaiah 61. Our job is to proclaim the glad tidings, the good news that is only found in Christ alone. And so let us stand because we believe in that we serve a just God. Let us stand and let us preach and let us continue to preach with whatever energy, however long the Lord would give us. And with all of our gusto, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, let us proclaim that all of life, all of life, from beginning in the womb to to the tomb and everywhere in between, that it's all vital, that it's all special, that it's all created by God and that every single person deserves to live and however long God would give them life and breath. He knows. That's the thing. God knows the length of our days. He knows. He knows the length of our days. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows the motivations of our hearts. And so we are, we are accountable to our Lord who creates, uh, not only because he creates, but he is the one who saves. We are doubly accountable to the Lord as his people. We are doubly accountable and we are doubly owned. By the Lord our God and the Savior and Lord who alone can save, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equipping You in Grace podcast. I know I got fired up on this one, okay? But honestly, I uh, this one does fire me up, and I and I, and I want us to be passionate. About this topic, I want us to speak out not only about abortion, but a, but about a moral and ethical issues in the right way because they are justice issues. We should care about these things. It should get us fired up because we love the Lord and we love our fellow man. We should speak up for the good of good of all people, uh, the, for the good of our society, for the for the good of the church, and, and for the for the good of of our witness. Let us stand and let us proclaim and let us. Uh, exult in our Savior and our King, as we speak out and as we uh, are for to life. Let us let's do so with with joy, and and let our let our witness be a a testimony of of the goodness of God, of the grace of God at work in us and through us, all for His glory. So, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and may God bless you and keep you until. Uh, next Monday, or if we do an episode on Wednesday, I'll see you later. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the equipping you and grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.